You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 119 called Bicoastal Deep Dive with the Check This Out podcast. In this episode, we meet up with Ryan and Brian from Check This Out, each of us diving deep as we share one of our ed tech aspirations for the coming school year. We'll also share some cool ed tech that is worth checking out and talk about some good listens on our upcoming playlists. This is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. Hey everybody, this is Nick here without Geist to record a little bit of a more detailed introduction to what you're about to hear. Obviously, we recorded this episode with Ryan and Brian from the Check This Out podcast. We had a super awesome time. We recorded the episode with them, and it was sort of like we were a guest on their show. We're using the same, we are using it for one of our episodes as well. Uh, But it's going to be a little bit different from your typical Got Tech episode for that reason. I also cut out from the beginning all of the parts where they were asking us to introduce ourselves because of course that doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you're here listening to this as a Got Tech episode. So it's a little bit awkward when it starts off. You're gonna hear Ryan from their show begin talking about podcasting in general. Uh, It's just the best way that I could edit this down. And then once you get into the flow of the show, you'll get the sense of what's going on. But we just had an awesome time talking to these guys and we hope that it's the start of a a new beautiful relationship in the EdTech podcasting world. So please enjoy. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. I don't know about you guys, but it's felt like for beyond the sharing out, it feels a little bit more just as a as a venue, almost therapeutic a little bit to be able to just talk and be involved and connected uh, and such. Have you guys, what got you into this thing? Uh, a homework assignment. He was doing his master's. I was doing my doctorate. And yeah, that's funny when I say I was doing my doctorate because I'm the least likely to get a doctorate or a degree out of anybody here. But uh, we both got a similar assignment. We asked the professors if, if we can work on it together. They were like, yeah, just do... Instead of doing one podcast episode, do three. So we did three, and they both encouraged us to keep trucking on. So we published them, and that's been the end of that. It, and I'll, I'll add, it was really, I mean, this is a kind of like Geis's brainchild. I never would have put all this together myself, but he, I remember you, you were kind of pestering me about it for quite a while. We should do a podcast. We should do a podcast. And then finally those assignments came through and it, it worked out and I'm glad it did. Um, but it's funny, you mentioned the sort of like the cathartic element to doing this. I don't know how you guys felt, especially over the past couple of years, but I think we have that as an advantage doing this because we do get to kind of sit for, you know, an hour or so every week or a couple of weeks and like talk about teaching and, and, and do it in a way that I don't think a lot of other teachers do. It helped me a lot kind of get through the tough COVID times, which is sort of an interesting uh, reflection on the whole, the whole thing. I don't know about since you guys started your show, like Ryan and I, the, the sphere, the world, the bubble in this ed oh, tech yeah. podcast community where Again, we've we've created so many friendships from the podcast, um, you know, that go on 
beyond beyond uh, the show. You know, we have like a Voxer group and there's, you know, the, most of them are Southern California. But again, when we have conferences, we all meet up. Um, ISTE, we all met up when we when some of us went. So do, do you do you find that also? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm a part of a couple of Voxer groups. I know Nick isn't as big into the Voxer groups, uh, but there are a lot of podcasters. We just joined the Teach Better Podcast Network, and the route, the way that we got that whole connection was through a Voxer group and just getting to know the people from Teach Better and realizing how much we align with kind of what what they're doing and how uh, podcasting could be a space where we all kind of grow together. I mean, yeah, we're a little quirky. We, we, we say some stuff that comes out of right or left field, whichever way you want to put it. It doesn't matter. We're a little off. We're a full pack of cans, but they're only half, <laughs> half full, you know, but we enjoy what we do and we hope that we provide value for people. So, well, and it's a good, it's an interesting group of people in that they're just, Everybody just wants to do so good at whatever they're doing. And everyone's constantly trying and constantly trying to do better and be better. And now you've got all these people helping each other out. So, you know, if anybody out there is listening to this and it is your first ed tech podcast or your first educational podcast, you're you're in for a whole world of, of positivity and learning and crossover episodes like this because it is just sort of this weird community where everybody's just trying to like everybody's so hungry to learn new things and share it and i don't know that i've ever seen that anywhere else it's just sort of a cool thing to be a part of and i I hope it's cool for people to listen to as well i think it is it is and even more than learning too because i think in our experiences the the learning has migrated into this connectedness i think that briggs you were just talking about a little bit it's the it's community it's the somebody you can listen with and you we are always hoping that somebody is either nodding or shaking their head but just having some sort of thoughts about it and connecting because we're often in these the worlds that we live in sometimes big schools or small schools but it, it's kind of a lonely uh, solitary thing at times particularly if you're let's say you're the only AP bio teacher on campus or if you're the only you're in a small school and you're the only third grade teacher and it's a little bit you know challenging to be able to connect to people. So that's why I find this so interesting. It's really free support too. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, that's what it is. It's uh, as ridiculous as it sounds. When I started listening to podcasts in the educational sector, I don't know, six years ago, some of the ones that I listened to, I was like, all right, I listen to them every week. I kind of feel like we know each other. Mm-hmm. We don't, mm-hmm. but we kind of do. We kind of yeah. do. I know what his dog's name is or whatever it may be. And I don't know. It just gives you a, a little bit of comfort knowing that there are other people out there trying new things and not being afraid to fail. And if they do, they got the next day to retry something else and fail all over. So Yeah. Yeah. It's that. And I don't know if you guys feel this way, but this will be our 119th episode. And I see you're up to like 150. Are you ever amazed that like, not running out of things to talk about. Every time I sit sit down to do show notes, I'm like, for sure, there's nothing new. There's mm-hmm. always something new. It's shocking. We've had this conversation a lot, Brian. Yeah, like uh, especially with Ryan. Ryan continues to feel irrelevant, uh, which I beg, to, <laughs> which I beg to differ. Um, but yeah, there there's always something new, especially in the world of technology and education. There's there's going to be something, even if it's uh, something polished that's refined that's been done in the past and something new. Um, I, th- I think there's always going to be something. And, and like, 
and I'm sure you guys talk about it too. It it doesn't have to be about technology. Uh, right. I think it's just real, real world, real life. I I wanted to go back to uh, Eric, what you said about I listen to these podcasts every day. Is I know them, and then you throw on like Twitter, and then like reaching out to them, like in like you know these messages and stuff. It's just like that surreal moment when they like write write you back, and you're oh my god, they actually. I mean, it's a very you know, it's a, it's a community, just podcasting in general. Uh, cause Ryan, um, Leo Laporte is someone that Ryan and I always, uh, Ryan, I used to watch him on TV and he does podcasting and Ryan goes, let's go watch him. Well, what do you mean? Go watch him. And then the, uh, a, a couple of us, he's just about an hour away from us. And, you know, we get to go watch him in his, in his, uh, while he's doing his show and like, he's answering questions left and right. It's just, it's just this helpful. It's just that that because, you know, we all are going to retire now since we're podcasters and making all that. <laughs> no, I think it's just that community of giving back is what I'm, I, I've witnessed. Mm-hmm. That's funny because you say that we're making a lot of money. I'm wondering w- from which side are we making more money from teaching or podcasting? I feel like it's kind of, you know, yeah. uh, that's a different topic. Yeah. Brian mentioned the irrelevant piece. Uh, and, and so I, uh, I say I got like five reasons, not necessarily why I think that I'm, I'm we're relevant, but at least from when we started podcasting, and I think that it's changed because you mentioned before, Nick, I think you said the idea about is there stuff to still like share and talk about? And I'm, I, and I'm definitely seeing a shift in there. One, I think it's me that I'm old. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The second thing is that the more and more that I'm doing it, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Probably not, though, but I feel like I got back in the classroom teaching a, ni- a niche subject. And that and my niche doesn't really apply to a lot. But um, also, I think that what I'm doing personally is I'm trying to be able to do whatever tools that I've I've, I've experienced and played with in the past. I'm 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 getting rid of the bre- uh, the the breadth and going into the depth. Like I'm just focusing. Like this is the thing. I'm all in on a hyperdoc. That's it. Like I I found my secret sauce and this and this and this and this and that's what I'm coming around with. The other thing too is I think that technology's kind of settled a little bit. It feels like the wild, mad days of everybody trying to be able to find what the next new greatest thing has slowed down a little bit. And then the last piece I'm concerned about with my own staff at, or conferences or all that sort of stuff, I just worry about the overcapacity of staff, of teachers, that if, if, if I do, there's some people, we even had a teacher this year, and, and we said, uh, it was at the end of the year, and she said, if, if, if please don't land one more bomb on me at the beginning of the year because I don't think I can handle it. And we're and you're constantly conscious, conscientious of being able to say, "Hey, you know, it's okay to just maintain right now." So I, I felt like I was always the check this out guy, but now I feel like I don't want to say check this out because people, you know, walk on the inside of the sidewalk when they see me coming sometimes. But yeah. I was going to say to add to add on that, Ryan. Again, you know, th- during the pandemic, everyone became a computer teacher. You know, they're a technology teacher. But I don't know. We we have to continue fostering into that because the amount of teachers that I have seen that are reverting back and even beyond not touching technology at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it. There's some PTSD with the computer screen through the oh, pandemic. Sure. Yeah, in, inside the pandemic, though, as soon as you know March 12th happened, 2020, everyone wanted technology. There was like a, a three week to a month and a half window where everyone was trying to get their hands on everything and they were trying to they were checking it out to figure it out and then they realized ah 
this is just too much. So now we're going to hyper focus on one or two things. And Ryan, you were talking about that. You have your hyper duck, that's your secret sauce and everything. But within that hyper duck, you change. I, I think even though you're hyper focused on that, you can change up and uh, spruce it up and really tighten up everything about that hyper duck. Maybe uh, there's a new way to bring in YouTube and, you know, the little cheat in the URL, if you put, you know, GIF in front of YouTube or something like that, you could bring that into the, the, the hyperdoc. There's ways, there's things that you could put in there to make it different. And even though it still is a hyperdoc, it's, it's a more glorified hyperdoc. And Nick and I, we try to have an episode or two every year where we take ed tech tools that everyone knows about and we use it in a totally different way. Some of the ones that we talked about is just the different ways that you can use Google Slides or the different ways you could use Moat or the different ways you could use Classroom Q. And we'll just have an episode where this is what it's usually for, but this is what I'm using it for. And I, I feel like that's a way to, you know, we want to hyper-focus on a couple of tools. We call it our EdTech Toolkit. But within that EdTech Toolkit, because you're pros at those tools, see how you can use them in a, a uh, creative way to make them be something more than, you know, what they are. Good chat. I liked it. All right. Hey, where are we at, Brian? Where, where, what's the next step for the show here? What we wanted to do, uh, trust me, that that's how our, our starts always begin, guys. It's totally like <laughs> totally go off the – we have a whole script and show notes here. We're, we're, we're breaking it. Uh, but, yeah, so this episode, what I was thinking about, since we, are, we're, we have started our year, and for me, again, it's, it's – all this tech garbly gook is starting to level out. You guys have vacation for two and a half more weeks. But uh, I, w- I was thinking again, uh, we're starting the new year. Uh, what is something new that you wanted to try or initiative that you wanted to try this school year? And I thought throughout the year, we can check in, you know, hold each other accountable on how are these things going? Um, so that's what I was thinking about for this episode. So what do you guys think? Yeah, I, I love that idea. I think it's really cool. And I, that accountability piece is something we talk about a lot on the show because that's what's missing so many times. If you say you're going to do something, and if it's, if it's just your own personal goal, nobody's really checking up on you. So it's easy to let it go. So we're all going to follow up with each other. That's smart. And um, I, do, do you mind if I kick it off with something I've been go thinking about? Go for it. Yeah. All right, cool. So I can't remember if we mentioned this before. I'll intro it again. We, uh, Geis and I teach one course together and it's a podcasting class. The official name is called World Ready Technology, which is kind of tough to follow, but it's basically about teaching students technology that makes them ready to go work in the modern world today. So things like running a podcast or navigating social media um, being an internet presence or a personality, it's, that's sort of what the class is all about. We've taught this course for one year. Last year was our, like our trial run on the whole thing, and it went really well. But there's you know, definitely some things we want to change. So some, some of the one aspect of that that I, I'm really looking forward to sort of doing better and pushing the kids more is getting the students to be more independent when it comes to the editing and the posting of their stuff. We, you know, we pretty successfully got a bunch of student podcasts up online and they're all, you know, publicly available. You can search them on Spotify and Apple, whatever, which is cool. 
there's a lot of handholding and we put a oh, lot yeah. of our own time into, you know, I, I wasn't editing student work, but we were really walking through it. Uh, posting in particular, we did all of that, which is, as you guys know, brutal. And when you're talking about 18 separate student podcasts that are eight episodes a piece, it was like mind numbingly bad. And I think it should, you know, besides saving my own sanity, I think it should be part of this course where the kids kind of get to know that themselves. So, you know, in particular, one thing we've been talking about is like you would have in science, what we call a lab practical, where the you go into like a chem lab, let's say, and you show your teacher, here's how you do this type of chemical setup. And here's how I would use it. We want to do that for podcasting. So the kid goes into one of our studios turns on the mixer, hooks up all the mics, hooks up all the headphones, you know, uses the digital recorder correctly and, and shows us start to finish as part of the class to kind of put some of the pressure on them. Uh, those are things that sound obvious now, but we didn't do. But I think we're going to build that in. And I'd really like to see that kind of have some some payoff. So that's that's my own. And I hope I didn't steal it from you guys because that's sort of an overlapping one, too. But it's it's been on the radar for sure. I'm going to piggyback on later on, but what you what you said really resonated with the idea of projects are a challenge because of the handholding piece. Right. It is. It's it's hard, and I feel like at one point, how much is it that I'm just dragging them through this as opposed they of them going through that that uh, creative struggle because they'll often not want to do the creative struggle and just hang it want to hang it up. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and I always talk about the educational equilibrium. You want to. So if you have a straight line, I don't know. I always want to use a cliff, but I, I feel like that's going to get me in trouble one day. I'll say it to the wrong person. But you have a line, you you just want to see how far you could throw them away from that line because that's going to be their most uncomfortable spot. And as they crawl their way back to that line or to that safety zone, that's where the learning occurs. And I feel like that's what we got to do with this. We got to rip off the Band-Aid. Actually, all the kids coming in this year aren't going to know any better because they didn't know what it was like last year. Nick and I do remember it because, you know, we'd get 16 podcast episodes. They'd all turn into it at the same time. And then the next day, they're like, why is my uh, episode published? And I'm like, because I have 15 other ones to do. And he did one because, <laughs> you know, it was a challenge to get through. And we have to make sure that we have to listen to everything. And we, a couple of our, uh, podcasts uh, were 30, 40 minutes long every time. And it was about teenage pop culture, which I'm very far removed from. And I don't have a 14-year-old daughter to let me know what this high school musical thing is and what song they're singing on it. You know, so all that stuff is there, but we definitely need to rip off the Band-Aid. So that's a, that's a good challenge for you, Nick. Uh, yeah. Do we want to break up this East Coast, West Coast a little bit? And yeah, let's go back and forth. All right, go for it, Ryan. Uh, what I'm going for is a little bit of the uh, – very similar to what you mentioned, Nick, is the how can I get my kids to be able to be producing and being creators on their own. I teach a, 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 mostly video but media, uh, basically video production, and we do lots of you know production for the school and outside, and, they, and, they, and, and there's a lot and, um, that they need to be able to do. And I have a, I teach a pathway. So there's an intro, middle, and then an advanced. So it's interesting. By the time that I have my advanced kids, I've had them for three years. Uh, you, I like what you guys mentioned about like, Hey, you got a new group. And so you train them up. One of the, I love having kids sometimes for three years, but 
if if I screwed up the last year, I'm changing it. Like, well, I can't. I mean, they, they're a little bit more hesitant to the change because they liked it. Like, and I'm like, no. So I'm trying to increase the. Uh, I don't want to hold hold their hand as much. And so one of the things I'm going to be trying for this year is for my uh, advanced kids. These are the producers. They're the ones who put in on our school broadcast. They're the ones who need to be going to the sports games and filming. They're the ones who need to be go to the the choir performances and the band and all that sort of stuff and producing and all that. Is um uh I'm I'm, I'm kind of going towards a little bit of a flipped model, but the idea that uh, uh, I'm not doing any direct instruction for the most part is that when they come in, I'm going to give them every two weeks a check-in. That uh, that two-week check-in is a Google form, and there's two things that they need to be able to do. One, they got to tell me what they're producing. Actually, tell me where or give me or give me um, examples of the things that they have been producing. It could be the finished product. It could be the document that they're working on. Um, but they need to be able to say what whatever the things that they have been assigned that they're working on. Where are they on that path? And then if they're not, not doing anything, let's say they finished a project. Every two weeks, I'm just saying this. They got to learn. And I have way more stuff. We have way more software and way more tools than any, any, anybody would could ever really learn on their own. And so I'm constantly frustrated that the kids are not going back and just grabbing this camera or that gimbal or this and that. And I'm like, well, they just, they're only doing things for a grade. So I'm like, well, let me try to switch it up and say, hey, so the grade is every two weeks, learn, just do whatever you want. And I'm, I'm under, of all the gear that I'm having is I'm wanting to try to be able to create video tutorials where I'm basically walking them through all these different sort of things, microphones, lights, whatever the kind of thing is. And um, they just go on their own. And then every two weeks, just give me a check in about where they're at on that learning. So um, I'm about to introduce that this week. Um, and it's a lot of front loading and I'm not there yet about trying to produce all those videos and do all that sort of stuff. But that's what my, my goal is to be able to, I really want to be the teacher who just walks around and just checking on kids and see how they're doing. So one of the things that I really like about what you're doing is, uh, really putting onus back on the kids. But one of the ideas that I always have on this type of a model is this year you can use these kids to make your videos for next year. If you know mm -hmm. that this is the way that you want to do it, um, you come up with a list of the 40 or 50 videos and you just say, okay, this marking period, these are the 10 videos we need to get done. These two are going to work on that one. You break it up the next marking period after you teach it. These guys make the professional video. That way, uh, you know, they're doing some of the legwork and, uh, and they're also learning at the same time. Yeah. I like that idea of trying to be able to do that. I just got to have them to get that accountability piece of the just don't say, oh, hey, teach the, you know, the Sony yeah. camera. And I'm like, hey, I got to give them a checklist. Be sure to mention this in the manual settings and how to swap a battery out and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I would love to get to that point. So it's a process, but th that's what I'm shooting for. So I'm going to I'm going to steal your two, every two weeks check in idea, because I think that's probably the solution to what I am talking about, where. You know, we did our first run through with this course. We did a lot of like daily individual assignments too. There, we, we, there wasn't a lot of direct instruction because it wasn't that type of class. But we were up there at the front of the room every class period saying like, here's how you do Canva. Here's how you remove the background. Here's how you blah, blah, blah. Whereas it would be way cooler if, the, like you said, the grade was the check-in. And every two weeks, you're just kind of setting goals like, what would you do this past two weeks? Okay, that's good here's what you need to do for the next two weeks kind of thing. And that's, that's where, what they're getting assessed on. That's the kind of thing we talk about all the time, dude. And that would be sort of a, uh, you know, applying it to our own course as well. I like that. 
downside, as you mentioned, is all that front loaded work. Because oh, yeah. if, if I'm not going to, if I'm not going to be teaching them Canva, they got to be getting it from, from somewhere. Who's, who's going to create those materials. So, yeah. And there's stuff, everybody goes, oh, there's great stuff out there. And there is, there yeah. is, but I don't, I mean, so let's say, hey, let's. I want you to learn how to be able to create a whatever in Canva. Or like, okay, but that you know that that tutorial is twenty minutes long, or that was forty five right. minutes long, and I only want you to do this piece. And in the end, is it just easier for me to just do a six minute one on my own? So yeah. So all right, who's next? Yes, it's my turn. Uh, so Nick talked a little bit about World Ready One, and that course is all about students being content creators. And and uh, you know, Ryan, you you said the same thing. You want your kids to be content creators. Well, I want to push that out. And uh, we have a second course that we're putting into motion this year. Uh, right now, we have a lot of ideas, but we want to bring them to life. And it's it's really going to be uh, probably done as we go, because I have no clue how long it takes to do any of this stuff. But uh, for World Ready 2, it's just going to be a whole bunch of independent publishing projects. They're going to start off by creating their own brand. We have a... Uh, a lot of people call them makerspace. We call them a design lab just because I didn't want to call it a makerspace. I was over it, the term. <laughs> um, but in our design lab, we have some sticker makers. We have T-shirt, uh, like a decal printer cutter that you can do a heat press with some vinyl onto a T-shirt. We have a, a laser engraver, um, poster plotter, fathead maker, whatever it's called. <laughs> Uh, but we have all that stuff, but now we got to connect it to a curriculum that way it gets used and it's not just sitting there collecting dust and, and, uh, we have all these ideas about what we want them to do. We'll start with the brand, then they're going to meet up with a club or an outside business or even just another teacher and, and sit down and try to help them brand themselves, come up with a logo, all that good stuff. Uh, after that, they're going to do an unboxing video. So they'll all have, uh, they'll all have to do a couple unboxing, uh, of whatever they want to choose. It doesn't matter. They're going to do that. We're going to run it all on one YouTube channel, the class channel. And uh, we'll also put it up on the website. Uh, at the very end, we're going to have them publish a class, uh, cookbook, whether it's, I mean, we'll pick it. It could be a dessert book. It doesn't matter. But they're going to have to learn how to format it a certain way. Make, you know, have the pages in the center bleed across. And they're going to sell their cookbook at the end. So we found a site that allows us to print them out in a paperback for it's not a whole lot of money. And then they'll try to sell it for like five bucks a cookbook or something like that. And see if we could donate it to a good cause. Uh, we have a teacher in our our district. He's from Kenya, and uh, his father left him some land in Kenya, so he put Wi-Fi, he put an access road, water, and now he's building a town hall and an educational center and stuff like that. So that's one of the uh, that's one of the uh, you know charities that our district uh, is pretty loyal to that that. You know, I could see that as an avenue for that, but it's all getting them involved with stuff that they're going to, these skills that they're going to have to use later. So I just need to stay on top of it. Well, Nick and I need to stay on top of it, but I just want to make sure it becomes more than just a whole bunch of throw together 
assignments that they just have to check off. I want it to be a little bit more meaningful than that. And, and that's going to be the challenge there. I think, I mean, again, with it, I like that, the cookbook idea. Uh, and then previously, like you just talked about marketing, um, again, using those skills that they learned earlier to market that book with stickers, advertisements, YouTube, you know, social media posts. I, it's, a, it's almost like a great project based wrapping it all up into one type thing. And, it, and I think the the book could be not just, uh, it's, it's almost like the replacement to the yearbook. Um, you know, the, the kids, the only people making the yearbook is the yearbook committee there, you know, none of the, the rest of the population classes didn't have much say in it. It's one person. Let's get this picture, that picture. So I, I just still, I like that idea of, you know, the recipe. And I think that could be, you can stem off of that from other books that you can, can you know, compile throughout the year. So, and like new courses. Yeah. I mean, the, the cookbook's cool, but what I really want them to learn is, well, why do they need to buy an ISBN number? Yeah. And what, how can they use that ISBN number and put it on Amazon for, you know, the, the ebook, the e cookbook and how that costs? Like, I want them to look at the cost between everything. Mm -hmm. I already know the, the company that we're probably going to go through for the print, but I want them to do the legwork. Maybe they find a better company than what I found. Uh, and that would be awesome. And that's part of the research process that is so valuable. I mean, we look at doctors and, and things like that. You know, if you look at tests, the tests that they had to take 20 years ago, it was a lot of facts that they had to memorize and regurgitate out. Well, now it's more practicums. It's more, you know, they go in, they're evaluated on their skill set of doing something in a lab or or something like that, because people realize that it's very easy to go in, they have a database there, put all the symptoms they're having, and then they're going to kick out four different, you know, diagnosis, uh, diagnoses. And, and then from those four, they can kind of do deductive reasoning and, you know, just go through it and, and kind of figure out how they're going to treat that. And, and that's, that's the same thing with teaching. I don't know. I could get in on to the whole, uh, I hate formative or, uh, summative assessments that are so like, you know, the traditional tests. I could get into that all day, but you know, these projects, they have to be more meaningful than a checklist. I guess that's my point. You, you have, there, there has to be something else there. I think, um, you mentioned wanting to make sure it's not going to be like a series of disconnected things, like an unboxing randomly and then publishing a cookbook randomly. I think the, uh, the connecting piece there is going to be the branding and the marketing where everything they do, it's got their logo slapped on it and their, their, whatever their like little intro video is or intro audio is. And, and once it's done, how are they going to share that? How are they going to be posting that? So even though, they're going to be doing all these different things. It will be under the same banner of, of their, you know, their, their brand really. And I think that's, what's going to link all that stuff together. Even if, especially this first year, even if it is a bunch of different stuff, that's kind of how I saw the whole thing, at least for, for me this year, uh, I, I want to get more into esports. Um, I want to see how I can get esports tied to the, the, uh, CTE pathway, uh, with the career and technical, uh, education. Um, what I've noticed during the pandemic, when I came here to the district I'm in now talking to, we had an unofficial esports league going on. So schools had them, 
they just weren't sponsored here. Um, and not too many were like have a sponsored team. And during the pandemic, I was talking to the teacher that was leading it. He had 220 students on his team playing from home. And I thought, you know, now it's time to bring them into the classroom. And, and again, for me, it's more of that SEL, uh, giving them that a place to belong. So like everyone going to the football game on Friday night, those kids that aren't into that social scene or that football, we open that lab up on the Friday night too, to give them a place to come to also a safe haven where they can come and play the game. So I I've already supplied, uh, the teacher, um, 20 of like alienware setups, like screens to play uh, switch games. Everything's tied into the network and being the network administrator and it guy, I'm able to unblock the sites to the games. And so like, uh, in, even though in a controlled environment with kids in their in in their devices, we were able to set up the like these twenty machines so they can have three games. And when I'm talking in esports, like you're the digital media background, you know, you have your shoutcasters, you know, that are shouting along and you know, and publishing it, and you know, creating the team web page. And it's kind of in on lines of what you guys are talking about if, is doing the brand. So these teams multiple teams creating their own brands and how this all, all can tie into it. Um, and then, so that, that's one of my initiatives and it's going to be, and like I said, it's going to have that social emotional learning aspect. We have a, an amazing teacher who does gender studies and I want to do like a club from the girls gamers club, you know, to elevate some of these people that, uh, that, you know, like girls are all, Oh, it's video games. It's not, um, the teacher told me like a couple of weeks ago, this one student came in, uh, female student. She just graduated and said, oh, I heard you're doing an esports club. And, uh, and he goes, yeah, I have all these computers. And uh, she says, I wish I knew that last year you had a club going. He go, she goes, what do you mean? She's on a nationally ranked team already. Um, and just being able to bring that expertise to the class to help teach that along. So uh, that's that's kind of my my, I think my big dreams for this year is to see how I can get this program on the CTE pathway in order to spill over to the other schools because with CTE, the funding is there. And then again, uh, the college, yeah, the money is with the CTE and then the college opportunities. UC Irvine's giving scholarships. Um, Southern Oregon University, when I went on a tour up there last year, started an esports manager program as a, a as a degree so that that's my one big thing i don't know your if how it how it is over in your schools yeah so we we just uh they started an esports team right before the pandemic uh it is not fully developed at all it's not sponsored they're not playing other schools or anything like that right now it's just I know with uh, the chip shortages and stuff like that, they were struggling getting the right equipment in. I was trying to give them as much as I possibly could with what we had already there. Uh, but that's something I would want to check in with with our school this year because my older and younger brother, they are gamers. They've been gamers their whole entire lives. I never got it until the boat has already sailed, you know. Now I have three kids and they don't play video games yet. I'm sure they will, other than Pokemon Go. That's like crack for for kids. Uh, I mean, I can't. <laughs> and adults. That's, 
that's that's how I make them behave. If you if you want to uh, if you want to play some Pokemon Go, you can't be a jack wagon the whole day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, but there's so much there, so much there. Yeah, Rock uh, Ryan showing his Rockland esports. They're, they they just won the championship of uh of, I don't know how big of the region national champ yeah national champions I don't know what level or whatever but yeah that's super, cool super proud of them there now all right Ryan is that uh is the team following CTE is it adopted into that at all yeah so they're part of this uh it's a separate club it's not one of it's not an actual class that they do but it is uh it's Paul you know uh, our yeah. friend Paul Warner and so he's a CTE computer science teacher and does the pathway and the computers and then uh, the esports is a separate club or team that's part of it. That's so, awesome. When you get done, you know, this year after we hold you accountable, I want to have a check in to see what you're actually doing, how you got, you know, from point A to point B, and maybe even have, you know, one of our two supervisors of esports because. You know, they're gamers, but they don't understand, I don't think, the opportunities that are out there. And I think this is something, even though it's becoming more popular, I don't think a lot of people really understand or can grasp the uh, the full impact that it could have on students. Yeah, yeah it, it was, I was, it was a really tough sell uh, to sell to my school board in order to give the funding, to grant the funding. Um, and again, I said, I the math teacher came in who is doing the uh, esports team. We just kind of laid out everything that's being done. Why aren't we being welcoming and, you know, supportive and bringing these kids in versus they have to go, you know, shun to the corner to go to do play your player Nintendo game um, instead of embracing that and bring it in. And just, again, we're really big on a culture of welcoming all. So it was just kind of, I was able to take that angle. That's a good angle to take. I mean, we we just started a uh, women's wrestling team. Okay. At our at our school not too long ago, and it was really uh, started um, by a, a neighboring school district. And the the biggest thing is is do you want to be part of the change or do you want to be the last one to the party yeah. and have to you know get caught back up? But our school is pretty. Um, we're pretty good at welcoming change in, in that regard as well. And it was just um, an awesome turnaround. So I see a lot of connections between those two. Because we really are. We're really in a transformative period in education, not just sort of the teaching, but all of these, you know, all the things that we're seeing. It's just, it, it, it's pretty revolutionary to be in the middle of it all. Ryan's back. Welcome back. I'm back. Ryan. Yeah. He's back. Nothing like, nothing like unplugging and plugging back in to get it to work. There you go. Did you have something to chime in about earlier if we want to rewind? It was just about the soft skills um, yeah. that we were talking about. And we people always say it's about those soft skills. And I think it's even more besides – I like the idea of what you were talking about there, Ed, the idea about creativity and uh, teaching grit and teaching resiliency. Because you, you don't teach those things, but it is the byproduct of the, hey, you got to produce a product. you got to do – because I like what you mentioned about the unboxing. Like that's huge out there. They may not be – start their own channel um, unboxing things, but all of those steps along the way, um, it's going to open up door or not even open up doors, but just help them in who knows what more than ever. It is the God knows what the, what, what, what they're going to get into, but the, hopefully the stuff that we are helping them along the way is going to help them on their, on their paths. Right. 
Very good. So we got a lot to uh, hold each other accountable for, um, which is which is good stuff. And like again, it's not your your norm. Like Ryan said, being transformative. Uh, it's not it's not what you heard at your back to school or what you will hear at your back to school meeting. We're gonna try this new. Our big thing was start with the why. How many years ago did we do start with the why? But again, things are coming around. Uh, hey, what do you want to do next, Mister Briggs? Next, we we just you want to do really quick on checking this stuff out. What's one thing to check out, and then do you got to get you going. Yeah. So let's start on the list. Eric, you're you're up first on the list. All right, I'm I'm going to talk about the Morning Brew, which is a newsletter, and I love this newsletter. I found it on Twitter. I was like, hey, you know what? What's what's another newsletter to the mailbox? But uh, my wife and I in bed. In the morning, I know it got a little off track there, but we're going to bring it back here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she she gets the New York Times, and in the New York Times, it gives you all the main bullet points. If you need to do something, like read about everything going on in like five minutes, you read it, you take a quiz, you see how well you do. And then after that, there's a whole bunch of games. And, and what what is the What's the game going around? I know Jen Giffen loves it with the little boxes. Wordle? Wordle. Yeah, that one. Not Wordle. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. No, it is Wordle. Is it Wordle? I was thinking some word cloud. No, no Wordle. So the New York Times bought Wordle. So they have that at the end. She plays it. She's all happy and everything. But it costs her $4.99 a month. And I was like, why are you paying for any of this stuff? You know, it's a subscription. She goes, well, I like doing this every morning. I go, there's tons of other ones. So uh, the Morning Brew, it will do this for you. Uh, you could also pick, like, they have specific content that you go to. I, I subscribe to the Morning Brew, which is the general one. But I also do the Tech Brew of the Morning Brew. And it's, like, new technology that's coming out and things like that. Uh, one of the cool things I found on one of the uh, articles was, uh, you know, mouse pads were coming back oh. and you're you're able to personalize the mouse pads. And the one that I saw that I really liked was the Google Sheet oh, shortcut mouse pad. So throw it there and, and down there's every single cheat that you possibly would need in these organized categories. So, yeah, I thought that was a good one. And then uh, I also threw on this list as well because it kind of goes with the cheat sheets is the reference guides. Uh, there's several uh, reference guides and collections out there that um, are pretty amazing that are uh, really out there, put out there by some of the, the ed tech leaders out there. And this was a set that I really liked. So if you forget how to do stuff, or if you think that there's a shortcut that you don't know how to do these, uh, Cheat sheets and tutorials will help you out with that. I I remember custom guide in a district two years ago. We had it, uh, not two years ago, two districts ago. Yeah, these are great. It was right to the point. Uh, you can print them out, throw them in student staff lounges if needed. So we, I just I just bookmarked that again to look in subscription. We <laughs> <laughs> forgot about that. All right, that's great stuff. I like that. I like that. Uh, Ryan is gone. All right, next, Nick. What do you got? Yeah, so this this is a quick one. It's an extension that we just learned about um, in a, you know, we were running a class for a PD session this past week on choice boards. 
And, you know, we were going off on all the crazy kinds of, you know, styles and most of them done via Google Slides where there's like a homepage with different pictures or shapes that are then linked. So as the students click them, that shape takes them to slide three and this shape takes them to slide six, depending on whatever choice they make. And, you know, not realizing the whole time that there are some people sitting out there in that audience that are, you know, not familiar with the idea of linking between slides in Google Slides. And, you know, we get so embedded in this, you know, in this world that you can forget stuff like that is important to cover that. And after we were done with this day, somebody shared this really cool extension with us, uh, again, called Hyperlink Slides Choice Board. I'm not sure if I said that, but that's that's the name. It's a little clunky. Hyperlink Slides Choice Board is the name of the extension itself. So, can check out the show notes for uh, that direct link or just give it a Google, of course. But it's really cool. It does all that linking for you. So when you open up, um, you know, Google Slides and activate the extension, any shape or picture or text box you put on slide one, this extension will automatically create an, a, a new slide in the slide deck that links to that object and in those new slides that it's creating, it will also automatically put out like a home button, uh, which is something else that you typically want to do in this type of self-guided uh, Google Slides thing. So if you click on one thing and you go to suddenly to slide 10, you have a little home button to get back to slide one. And that takes a decent amount of work and, and some knowledge and skill with, with linking. This extension does all of that stuff automatically. You just have to put those initial pictures on slide one. So it's a really cool piece of tech out there. Um, I just learned about it, so I haven't tested it extensively myself, but it does seem to have some pretty good reviews. So check it out, everybody. Very good. Yeah, it looks like it's made by Alice Keeler. She made that. So, yeah, right. Um, she, Alice is down, out, out this way. So uh, before she moved, but yeah. very cool. She has, she has a ton. Uh, I know she's, she's really forte is math, but if you look in that store, she's, she's taken the coding skills to the next level. She's created a, a lot of extensions and add-ons. So yeah, she's, she's pretty amazing with anything with sheets. I'm, I'm telling you, yes. but I did a couple of workshops with her and, um, she has a lot of energy. She brings it. She knows her stuff. She's very confident and, um, you know, it's, it's just fun to check her out in any type of a uh, professional development uh, because you know that you're going to get something that is is very full of energy and 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 direct and and I really like that about Alice Keeler. I actually got her to sign a, a book for me once and uh, she goes well what do you want me to write? I was like write whatever you want. Okay. She was just like poof and it, I was like <laughs> That works. Short, sweet, <laughs> to the point. Love it. But yeah, I mean, uh, what she puts out there is great. She is one that she, she starts, uh, some of her keynotes with, uh, where she'll pop a question up on, on the screen and then you have to type an answer to the question and it automatically makes a new slide for each person that fills out the form. I'm still waiting for that one. I don't think she's <laughs> released that one, but that was like five years ago. So, uh, I think she's holding that one near and dear yeah. to her heart, but she's keeping that, that in her bag of tricks. Oh my! Like, put that one out there for a subscription. I'll I'll buy them all. <laughs> Very good. Uh, that's cool, Ryan. Uh, you know he had to bounce off, but 
what he wanted to share was uh, someone on Twitter. I just picked this up. Jessica Ryan, fun ideas to start the new year. So uh, on check it out on Twitter. You can see that. And she has some ideas here uh, as mine is loading up um, in a Google presentation. And again, just some things to try. Uh, the elevator of engaging learners. So she has some that you can go through here. Introduction, gamification. So some cool things in a slide format again. So that was hers. And I know the next thing he shared was something that he created not too long ago. Uh, his 14 ideas for the first day of school. So there's some good ones on here. This is his, his term. He's trying to token his listicle um, of 14 <laughs> ideas for those first days of school. You know, would you rather smart starts conversation starter ball? So some good stuff to check out there. Yeah, those are, those are pretty cool. I, I love what the first one. Uh, you're you're getting a two for one here, Jessica. I believe was her name. Was it Jessica? Yeah, Jessica Ryan. She has an awesome uh, presentation there, but it came from Slides Mania. So you're you're also getting uh, introduced to Slides Mania if you don't already know uh, what Slides Mania it is. Uh, it's just uh, it's a whole it's a collection of Google. Uh, slide presentation templates and PowerPoint templates that you can get for free. And um, Paula from Slides Mania is pretty awesome with that. So I, I I was like, man, this looks familiar. And then I saw the Slides Mania on the side when I opened it up. Good stuff there. There it is. A two for one. Some good activities and uh, some uh, some templates there. And then I'll just round out the pack here. I don't know. Are you guys Mac users by chance? No. No, I was okay. in college. I was in college, and then I, I had to make the switch once I I got my uh, teaching job. Okay, I yeah, I have a I have a PC at my work, and then I truck around a Mac, and so I, I'm back and forth. But this one here for the Mac users, it's called Acorn. Um, Brent Warner shared this out. Uh, again, it's exactly like Photoshop, except mm. for twenty five dollars. Um, it's not you know the the subscription, I, I, the subscription, I have a love hate with this subscription model stuff. Uh, like Adobe used to have you being able to you used to be able to download Photoshop, and now it's the subscription. So uh, this here again, I, I use Photoshop all the time, um, but I don't want a subscription to put on everything. You know, I, I can download it here and re-download it. So I just wanted this standalone. Uh, just this, it's just a streamlined kind of program to use for photo editing that's a little bit more robust than your basic so uh that's acorn yeah i see with acorn you could take like unwanted people out of your photos and stuff like that but that looks like a lot of fun i mean most of our family portraits i just try to take myself out and one yeah, taking the picture I'm, yeah i'm making it more beautiful taking myself yeah. out yeah this looks I'm checking out this acorn. It looks it looks very cool. I just don't know if I have the uh, the energy in my soul to take on another uh, image editing piece of technology. I'm I'm about tapped out. But this looks like if you've got it inside of you, this looks like one that is is worth it. And the price is right for sure. Brian, is this a is this an app for your phone too? Because I know Nick and I are iPhone. We have iPhones. 
for both. I haven't checked the store. Uh, it's universal. It says Apple M1's Max. It looks like it's it's for Mac OS, not uh, iOS. So all right. Well, hopefully it comes out because if it, I, like I know it. if if this came down to like an iPad or a phone, that would be yeah. that'd be good because that'd be cool. that's a that's a realm they can go into. So all right, well I'll play we'll, I'll play Ryan here. Okay, hey Brian, what's next? Yeah, what's next? <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's that's usually our show, and we usually wrap it up of uh, what's on your playlist. So what's something you've been watching or listening to lately? Uh, so I just started this new podcast because I tried to make it. My goal was to like the week before school starts not to do anything educational. <laughs> Unless it's something I already put on my plate at, at, you know, the beginning of the summer. So I, I am still staying true to that. This is fun for me. So I don't call this educational, even though it is. Um, but one podcast that I'm listening to right now is how did that, or how did this get made? And basically it's, it reviews all the movies that are so terrible. They're awesome. <laughs> yeah. And the episode I listened to was, Drop Dead Fred, which was, you know, it was bad. It was bad, but it was so good. Yes, it so was. So I was just trying to think of, like, other movies that kind of fit that. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Uh, Quest for Fire, yeah. uh, Team America. Oh, God. I mean, there's so many that are so bad that are so good. So um, I'm trying to come up with a couple more. I mean, Anchorman, the first time I watched Anchorman, I did not like it. What? Oh, yeah. 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 The second and third through 3,000th time watching it, I really liked it. I, yeah. I found I found out it was because I watched the first time I watched it by myself. But why would someone yeah. do it? So. I, yeah. This is I just downloaded it. So that's like uh, there was one podcast Ryan turned me on to was talking about movies being made is like the behind of like jaws of all the mishaps they went through and they still, they got that thing made. It was crazy. So this is, this will be great. I'm looking at some of the titles now staying alive. Oh, good God. (laughs) (laughs) They're bad. Like some of these movies, you, you, you look at the title and you're just like, Oh my goodness. I can't believe one. I watched it. And two, it's on this list. Is is Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo on here? I have no clue. Yes. Didn't dive into it that much. I was just looking for for something easy to listen to on my way back from uh, visiting my dad. So, Drop Dead Fred, it was. Oh, I remember that. Unfortunately, I think that was junior high school. High school? Yeah, it was back there. Yeah. Uh, very good. What about you, Nick? Yeah, so this is not going to be groundbreaking for anybody because it's one of the biggest podcasts out there ever since the beginning of podcasts. But it's the one I always bring up when this type of topic comes up on our show and other shows. And it's um, it's a podcast called Stuff You Should Know. Oh, yeah. It's essentially all I listen to outside of a couple of the ed tech guys I like to check in on. Uh, if for some reason you have not listened to it yet, it's... It's just a really great sort of general knowledge. You know, each episode is 40 to 60 minutes long where they just pick a topic, any topic, whether it's, you know, pop culture or, you know, 
like deep science stuff or math or history just across the board, which is why I like it. It's like general information, sort of like a trivia show. Okay. Um, but it, they just give this great deep dive on on a topic. And I think the hosts are awesome. I learn a lot from them in the way that they interact and the way they speak and try and emulate that in my, my own show. And it just takes me it takes me out of, you know, the my head and thinking about teaching and education when I need a little bit of a step away. So stuff you should know, check it out. They're famous, but they deserve it. And it's super awesome. Very good. Check that out. And then the last one, I, 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 I listen to sports podcasts a lot. Um, my two right now is the Pat McAfee show again, every day for like two hours. And this one here, pardon my take, uh, this one, I did a, a link here in the show notes. It gets, they got into a debate debate. I, is it a debate? They were like arguing and yelling at each other. So I thought it was, I thought it was perfect because it was the beginning of the school year and it was the, it was the big question. Um, you need to buy a binder for each subject. Which of these colors do you get for, uh, you know, your language, math, history, and, uh, history, science. And you have red, green, yellow, and blue. And it, they were just yelling at each other. Like, it's you know there is no right answer but yeah so then i i shared this uh this question with my family and we just started this full-on debate on it too so yeah there's something to, to check out uh when you start your new year coming up so i'm colorblind so i just use labels i mean it's the, the colors but uh we get we get in arguments over some of the strangest things i know i know so all right well that's that's what we got here. Yeah, good times. Great, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for hopping on um, and doing this. Uh, being what is it? Eight o'clock? Nine o'clock? There? Uh, yeah, no, nine thirty. Nine thirty. Yeah. Crazy. Well, good luck on the start of your new year, and I look forward to all of us checking in with each other and uh, holding ourselves accountable. So, yeah, stay good. tuned for part two. And uh, about. The- you know, two years if we, we uh, <laughs> keep our uh, same pattern. And yeah. if it's our pattern, that'll be episode 151. <laughs> <laughs> now, thank you so much, guys. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geis and I individually at Geis Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.